are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. It is hump day, Wednesday, September 2nd. And I got a question for the critics today on the show. I'm sure many of you remember this time last year. We've passed the one-year anniversary of the Laramie Tunsil deal. We were still dealing with the fallout of that. But the Laramie Tunsil deal was part of the springboard for the Dolphins' rebuild, so on and so forth. It was also a catalyst for quite a bit of criticism for the Miami Dolphins. Well, you look across the landscape of the NFL today in 2020, and there is some familiar moves being made by some franchises. And yet there's no outrage this time. There's no pounding of the fists on the table. There's no monologues on network television crying how these teams are are betraying the trust of the players who have worked so hard for these opportunities. We're going to get into all that today. But before we do, we do have some roster transactions that have come through in the Dolphins' journey to getting to the 53-man roster. We will make our official prediction tomorrow before the Dolphins get too far ahead of this, and it becomes an anticlimactic exercise. So let's start with these cutdowns that the Dolphins announced yesterday, plus one more that has not been confirmed yet, and we'll go from there. The Miami Dolphins' journey to a 53-man roster is underway as the team announced yesterday several cuts of players, whittling the roster closer to the 53-man cutoff that the team is required to hit by Saturday. The Dolphins announced yesterday that they waived safety Jeremiah Dinson, defensive end Avery Moss, and cornerback Dietrich Nichols, while also releasing wide receiver Ricardo Lewis. An unconfirmed release of Fellow wide receiver Chester Rogers is also in the mix. ESPN's Adam Schefter reporting yesterday that the Dolphins were releasing Rogers and Lewis ahead of the Dolphins' announcements of the roster transactions that are confirmed. Specifically for the Miami Dolphins' wide receiver room, this does not leave a lot of wiggle room for what the active roster is going to look like at the wide receiver position. Removing Chester Rogers and Ricardo Lewis from the equation, plus the opt-outs of Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns, leaves the Dolphins with a very clear, favorable group of six, including Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Jakeem Grant, Isaiah Ford, rookie Malcolm Perry, who has flashed frequently in camp, and Mac Hollins, who has a great deal of special teams value as a gunner, and as Brian Flores revealed earlier this week, he can actually long snap as well. Outside of that group of six, the other Dolphins remaining on the training camp roster at this point in time are 2019 waiver claim Gary Jennings, a fourth-round pick from West Virginia, undrafted free agents Kirk Merritt and Matt Cole, and recent signee Andy Jones, who has lingered with the team on and off throughout the course of the summer. Given that the Dolphins, generally speaking, did not address the wide receiver position this offseason, the prominent addition being that of Malcolm Perry in the seventh round of the 2020 NFL Draft, the Dolphins are going to have every opportunity 
to get the clarity they need from the players still on the roster. Was the 2019 performance of Devontae Parker an aberration, or is that the new normal? Will Preston Williams be able to build upon the promising eight games that he played in last season before tearing his ACL? Or was he his undrafted free agent status something that has more teeth and is something the Dolphins should be more apprehensive going forward? Is wide receiver Jakeem Grant the wide receiver he claims to be, or is he ideally utilized in a specialist form and sprinkled in some manufactured touches on offense? These are questions the Dolphins do not have answers to, but will get the answers they need before moving forward in the 2021 offseason to continue to build out the supporting cast around young quarterback Tua Tungvaloa to optimize his opportunities to have success at the NFL level. Because the Dolphins' wide receivers are drastically different styles than what Tungvaloa had at Alabama. Whether or not that can still work is going to depend on their performances this year. Between playing with Ryan Fitzpatrick and presumably before the end of the year, Tungavaloa himself. RockAuto.com is a family business who has been providing high-quality online service for auto parts customers for the past 20 years. So whether you're looking for new brake parts, engine control modules, motor oil, or new taillights for your classic or your daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at RockAuto.com, whether you are a professional or a do-it-yourselfer. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit RockAuto.com, right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com So, uh, when I do my cardio workouts or whatever, I'm burning daylight, right? And I'm just looking for distractions to get me through whatever I'm doing. Uh, I typically have my phone out. It sits on the the, uh, the HUD there. And... Uh, Often have YouTube out listening to music, I'm watching film clips, I'm, I'm doing any number of different things. And, and when I'm on YouTube, I get a lot of recommended videos that are centered around Madden. And uh, there was one streamer who uh, played against another guy, and it was for like the right to use this catchphrase. And the catchphrase was, where's that energy now? And I think about the landscape and that the attention that the Miami Dolphins received in 2019 for their rebuilding process and all of the outrage that was involved from so many different people from so many different places. And then I look at what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing this year. And that's my question for all of these people who had so much criticism that they were so quick to cast at the Dolphins. Where's that energy now? Because you don't have it for Jacksonville this year to the same degree in which you were so critical of the Miami Dolphins last summer. Think about it. The Dolphins, throughout the course of their rebuild, once Chris Greer came in here and we were committed to undertaking a rebuild. What did the Dolphins do? 
The Dolphins traded away their starting quarterback for a day three pick, Ryan Tannehill to the Titans. This offseason, the Jacksonville Jaguars, one year after giving Nick Foles a four-year, $88 million contract, traded him to the Chicago Bears for a day three pick. The Dolphins traded away their best pass rusher, Robert Quinn, also let their second best pass rusher in Cameron Wake walk out the building. The Jacksonville Jaguars parted ways this offseason with Yannick Ngakwe and Calais Campbell, their two best pass rushers. Jaguars traded away a star in the secondary in Jalen Ramsey, a more established player than the would-be star that the Dolphins traded away last summer, or last fall technically, in defensive back Minka Fitzpatrick, both of those deals yielding first-round pick return on investments for both teams. The Jaguars-Laramie Tunsil deal was the Jalen Ramsey deal because that got them multiple first-round picks, much like how the Dolphins traded a cornerstone player for multiple first-round picks. Much like the Dolphins were attached to a tank for Tua campaign, the Jaguars are generally considered to be the leaders in the clubhouse to tank for Trevor Lawrence. Jacksonville has two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a third-round pick, and two fourth-round picks, equal to what the Dolphins are scheduled to make in the 2021 NFL Draft. So where's the differences between these two teams, other than the fact that Jacksonville, who also retained their general manager while making the decision to fire an executive in Tom Coughlin, the head of this offseason, much like the Dolphins did with Chris Greer and the decision to part ways with Mike Tannenbaum, the only difference is Jacksonville hasn't made a head coaching change yet. It's the only difference. You look at it at that surface level, and of course there's differences in ownership and where these teams are at in certain areas, but... Generally speaking, there are so many similarities between how Jacksonville is choosing to embrace their rebuild and everybody's leaving them alone to do it. Now, some of that, perhaps you could make the argument that it's because the games have not been played yet. But what I'd like to do is remind everybody of some of the narratives that there were about the Dolphins last September, because now that we're in September. I think it's important for us to remember just how bad the criticism got for a team that ended up finishing 5-4 and over their final nine games, including beating a New England team in Week 17 in New England who needed a win to secure a first-round bye in the playoffs. So where do we start? Uh, I I am eagerly awaiting the first time someone declares the 2020 Jacksonville Jaguars to be the worst team in NFL history, which was the claim that was made by Yahoo Sports' Tank Williams about the 2019 Miami Dolphins after two games. Two, Two games. Tank Williams referenced a mass exodus of players from South Florida, and stated that the front office, quote, doesn't know what they're doing. Okay. Again, I eagerly await the equal amount of criticism that is geared towards 
Jacksonville and their decision to literally follow the same exact script. Nobody can forget Steve Young ahead of Monday Night Football stating that it's not right and you can't be so irresponsible as to tank at the NFL level. Ask the Patriots Week 17 if the Dolphins were tanking. Of course, we had the obligatory Stephen A. Smith. The legitimate argument can be made that there are some college teams that can beat these Dolphins. Buffalo Bills saw something similar early in 2018. They finished the year 6-10. and 10. The Dolphins got that this past year, 2019. They finished the year 5-11. and 11. And then, of course, there's Dominic Foxworth's epic rant that uh, saw the end result. Him calling the Dolphins, what the Dolphins were doing, morally reprehensible. And uh, Foxworth said, these guys are physically paying the price. These guys are putting bad film on tape because they're not trying to win games and it's going to shorten their careers. You know who's going to benefit from them? The owner and the general manager and maybe the potential future coach. These guys aren't going to benefit from it. They're going to be out of it, having their careers ruined by a selfish team like the Dolphins. So fast forward 12 weeks later and Foxworth is stated that uh, that Brian Flores should be considered for the coach of the year. But after, what, two games, we were ready to say that that Brian Flores was a lame duck head coach that was fired and brought in for one year just to be the public pinata for the rebuild. And this wasn't just like media guys either. You know, Jimmy Johnson, former Dolphins head coach, got inducted in the Hall of Fame this year. Hall of Fame head coach. Um, He was pretty well known for his rebuild of the Dallas Cowboys, in which he took over in 1989. Uh, the Cowboys, the year ahead of Johnson's hiring, were 3-13. and and they went on to finish Johnson's first year 1-15. And, and Jimmy Johnson was asked about the Dolphins' rebuild um, during the summer ahead of the 2019 season, and Jimmy said that it was, quote, completely wrong to compare his first year in Dallas back in 1989 with what the Dolphins are doing in 2019, Johnson said, people that are wanting to compare them and tanking for what we did that first year in Dallas, that's completely wrong. Um, First, Tom Landry was a great coach who had three losing seasons before I got there. They were 3-13 and the year before I got there. We weren't tanking my first year. We were just bad. We were old and slow. There wasn't a lot of talent there. I made a ton of trades, 51 in five years. Not the only player I traded of any value was Herschel Walker. I kept Ken Norton. I kept the young Michael Irvin. I traded our starting quarterback, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, you know, at the end of the day, you did trade Herschel Walker, and you traded him in a monster Larry tunsil size deal for a running back, and your rebuild was one-fifth as successful in year one as what the Dolphins was. Dolphins won five times as many games in 2019 as Jimmy Johnson's Cowboys did in 1989. So you're right, Jimmy. It's completely wrong to compare them because the team that's only win came week nine in a 13-3 win 
It's not accurate. Can't compare it. Oh, by the way, you lost week one, 28 to nothing. Week three, 30 to seven. And this doesn't even get into the biggest doozy take of them all, which was the NFL needed the competition committee to conduct an investigation against the Miami Dolphins. And uh, if the Dolphins were found colluding to tank, then the Dolphins needed to be stripped of their first round pick in the 2020 NFL draft. Which is so ridiculous, I'm not even going to spiral down the rabbit hole. But my question, where, where is this energy now? Where is all the outrage about Jacksonville? And you can't, Dolphins have been a punching bag for a really long time. But you can't say, well, it's because it's Jacksonville, nobody cares. Because the Dolphins get teased by fans of other teams that nobody cares about the Dolphins. So which is it? Are we a team that people do care about and we want to throw dirt on? Or are we a team that nobody cares about? Because if we are, then this is the treatment that the treatment Jacksonville's getting is the same treatment that we should have got. Is Jacksonville not getting this negative attention because they got Gardner Minshew, who was a sixth-round pick and had some fun tape last year? I don't get it. I didn't even mention the Jacksonville Jaguars just cut Leonard Fournette straight up. And I get Fournette's an overrated player. But the dude had like 3,600 yards from scrimmage in three seasons. He's averaged 1,200 yards from scrimmage a year. Dude couldn't get picked up off the waiver wire. Nobody claimed him. The Dolphins opted not to claim him. We'll see if the, if the Dolphins pursue signing him on a cheaper contract. I'd be surprised. But look at the, the teardown. I didn't even mention the, the Jaguars also traded A.J. Bouye this offseason. Like, the list goes on and on and on. Their, their teardown is just as ambitious and just as aggressive as the Dolphins. Trying to be clear bad cap. And I'm not saying anything here in criticism of Jacksonville. Because the Dolphins have shown that it works. Like, you can, you can clear your books. If you take the Band-Aid method and you adopt it and you're willing to embrace it, now, with Jacksonville not making a head coaching change, it kind of feels like they got a lame duck head coach situation there because they're not going to win this year, not at a competitive rate. But good for Jacksonville. Because this is a clear blueprint of, like, you can get the books cleared you can stock up on assets, and you can push play and move forward from here and not be boxed into anything. You still have to hit on your picks. Dave Caldwell's picked some good players as the GM of the Jaguars. Just like Chris Greer, look at his 2016 NFL draft. Tunsil. Xavier. Kenyon Drake. Jakeem Grant. Granted, 2017 was pretty brutal. I can't explain the 2007. The only leftovers of the 2017 class at this point in time are Isaiah Ford and Devon Godchow, and Devon Godchow's in a contract year. But even 18, Minka, nobody's questioning if Minka's a good player. He's just got a bad attitude, had a bad attitude in Miami. Mike Isecki, Jerome Baker. 
Okay, that's excellent. The 2020 class, from a volume perspective, is almost guaranteed to get us. We got Wilkins in 2019. Dieter, the book's not closed on Dieter yet, and obviously Rosen, you know, is an ongoing investment. So your early picks from the problem with Greer's tenure before 2019 with the rebuild was they didn't have volume of picks, but he generally speaking made them count at a successful rate. So I hope Jacksonville has success with their rebuild too, because maybe like we crawled so everybody else could walk. We had to be the team that got bludgeoned over the head with bad takes for four months. And now everybody is kind of sitting back and saying, well, hey, the Dolphins, like, they actually did pretty good last year, and they did all this stuff, so maybe we should just kind of let it play out before we call them the worst team in NFL history after two games. Just a thought. 53-man roster projection tomorrow. Set your calendar. Come check it out. Hit subscribe. Hope to see you then. Kyle Krabs signing off. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Locked on Dolphins.